You're listening to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, Gifted with Potential series. I'm your host, Curlis Phillip. In this series, we share personal stories of struggles and triumph as a source of inspiration for teens and young adults. Today, I'm speaking with Avril Farrell of Dominica. Avril grew up in a strict religious family. So when she got pregnant in her mid-20s, instead of having a child out of wedlock, Avril rushed to the courthouse to get married, unbeknownst to her dad. This marriage would pose a set of problems that caused Avril to lose her identity and self-esteem. In this episode, Avril shares her incredible story of perseverance and success. Welcome, Avril. Oh, hello, Curlis. Thank you so much for having me. Your mom was a teenager when she had you, and you were raised by your maternal grandparents. Tell us about your early childhood years in Dominica. When I grew up with my grandmother, life was very difficult. We did not have any indoor plumbing in our house. We had to carry water to have baths. So we basically, that's all I knew. And my grandmother was yeah very strict that was in a very negative way um, because I believe that she was also basing everything I did on the outcomes that was basically what she'd experienced with my mother. So she was verbally and emotionally abusive. She would say things like, um, you're not going to amount to anything. Like I said, you know, she saw my mum, you know, got pregnant at a very early age and did not want the same thing to happen to me. And to be honest, Growing up with my grandparents taught me so much. My outlet was literally to grab my books, to pray, and her words and her actions towards me um, fueled me to prove her wrong. I wanted her to see that I could amount to something. At age 13, you ran away and went to live with your dad's parent. Was life a little easier for you with your paternal grandparents? Well, yes. So because of the difficulties and the abusive situation I was in, where I was always upset, always crying, when I found out that I could move move out to, to my other grandparents' house, I decided to leave there. So life was a lot better in terms of um, the standard of living. So my grandparents had a bigger house with modern, um, you know, facilities. I was more comfortable. I, you know, but I continued to work really hard. Um, and to focus on my education. And as a result of that, um, I did quite well. I did very well in school. You were reunited with your dad in the UK at age 16. Um, How did your life change with this move? At the time, I just remembered I wanted a family. I wanted to be with my dad. I wanted to have sisters. I wanted a family unit. I really, really craved for that. (laughs) When I graduated from high school, um, my dad gave me the option to come to to England. I remembered it was in August 2002, I think it was. I was 16. I was just so happy. Um, and straight away, I, you know, my stepmom, I just saw her as my mum. I felt happy, happy to, to be with my dad. I wanted to get to know my younger sisters. But the, the quite interesting thing about this transition in my life at the time was basically I um, I grew up in Dominica as a Catholic. So that was my upbringing. So when I moved to England, 
Um, my my dad was very, very strict in terms of his religious background. So he attended a church called Church of God's Seventh Day. Um, it's sort of similar to Adventist, if you've heard of Adventist before. That was very new to me. So I didn't I wasn't aware that we were not allowed to wear things like jewellery. We had to, um, my dad took away my earrings. He took away my gold chains. I had to have my head covered in service. So I had to wear a hat or a headscarf. And that wasn't what I was brought up with in the Caribbean. So it was a whole new way of life for me, which is very, very um, shifting as well. Um, you know, at a very young age to experience the, the, the difference in, in culture and in religion. So that has a massive impact on me as well. Culturally, what sort of adjustments did you have to make? When I moved to England, so it wasn't in the main city, like, so for instance, in London. So I moved to um, West Yorkshire, north of England, um, again, compared to London, it was not very diverse. So I, I practically adopted really fast. I started going to a Catholic high school in, in West Yorkshire. I also wanted to, um, you know, fit in. So it was not intentionally. I feel like I had to assimilate very quickly to feel accepted. I adapted very quickly. And as a result, I lost my Dominican accent. <laughs> well, we can certainly hear your lovely uh, UK accent, but I'm sure that Dominica twang comes in when you're around your folks. It does. So what were your plans after high school? I wanted to go to university and study business. So in my head, when I was in Dominica, all I've ever wanted to do was to work really hard and study. Um, but funny enough, um, I, I was in love when I was 16 years old. I wanted to come to England, be with my family, finish university, finish school, go back to the Caribbean and get married to um, the, the man of my dreams, basically. Yeah. Um, I also... What, what happened, basically, I got a degree in business management um, from Bradford School of Management. And after I graduated, um, I decided to work for a law firm, which I enjoyed. So at that point, I decided to go back into university and do a law degree, which is exciting. So getting back into the law career, I was about to decide, you know what, I'm going to practice law. And that was my intention. But before I started my law school and to practice law, I had a massive life-changing event. I became pregnant. It was very difficult because growing up um, as a Christian in a very strict household, I did not want to tell my dad that I was carrying a child out of wedlock. It, led, it meant that I decided to get married and not tell my dad as well. Do you believe that not having your dad in your life as a child in Dominica had some impact on you as a young woman in terms of the mates that you chose? Okay, yes, I would, I would say that. So not having my father around um, in my early years did impact my life. I was very sort of receptive to open to looking for some sort of identity in, in a male. So I sort of accepted earlier on you know, anyone who's sort of like said, you know, show that sort of attention. So in my early 20s, I found myself looking for that sort of father um, figure in my relationships. And I think you don't intentionally do that, but because, you know, you don't feel loved or you don't feel that kind of um, reception from your own father, when someone else comes in, you kind of accept that. 
and blindly I entered into an abusive relationship and when I from the minute I entered the relationship I was very naive and completely oblivious to the fact that I was being abused and at that point being in that relationship it just went on to um, sexual abuse, mental abuse, emotionally abuse um, to the extent of financial abuse and that meant I lost my self-worth, I lost my self-confidence, I lost my self-esteem um, and my whole identity was more or less in that in that situation, that marriage. And I thought, okay, I've got to show everyone now that I am a Christian and I got married, but no one actually saw the abuse that took place before I even got married. But at that point as well, I, I just knew that I accepted something that wasn't meant to be for me, but I was bound on the basis of how I saw my life as a child or not having a father around me. Now that I know better, I can actually look back and see those that impact. While you were sort of dealing with such a hard relationship on so many levels, uh, were you able to get support from your family members? So the interesting thing again about this, it's kind of like I was living in the traditional sort of, you know, old age. And it doesn't sound like a modern society. I was a youth leader in my church and my dad was is an evangelist and um so in my in my community in our church community I represented that particular district and for me um you know spending all those years um saving myself my purity and all of those things it was very embarrassing for me as a person to just to to all of a sudden, you know, bec- you know, I became pregnant and being in a relationship that I I um, I didn't really I felt more or less I had to be in that relationship. So from my father's point of view um, and the support around me, I felt alone to be honest because I didn't want to run to anyone because I felt I'd be judged. My father straight away told me he sent me a message saying. I don't want to know you. I disown you. You brought shame and disgrace to my family. When I found out I was pregnant, it wasn't just being pregnant as well. It's a person who I was pregnant to. So my ex-husband was actually from a Muslim family. And my dad, being a devout Christian, again, it made things twice as bad for the whole family. So after I had my son, I decided to work as a banking contractor to provide for my family. And I had to put my my um, law school aspirations on hold. Um, but to be honest, at the time, I felt alone. I felt like everyone looked at me in a place of being judgmental. And I felt that I had something to prove to myself. So um, I decided to, after five months of having my first child, to start working in the corporate world. At some point, there was a turning point in your life that sets you on a path out of that relationship, but also set you on a path to financial responsibility via multiple streams of income. Tell me about that. When I grew up in the Caribbean, I had absolutely no desire or passion um, to even think about having multiple streams of income. I have always, like I said, very hardworking and I've also had the desire to, you know, just work for a company you know, have my PhD, become a doctor, um, Dr. Farrell, and all of those exciting things. So I had no, I had no knowledge or sort of upbringing around multiple streams of income. 
So when I started working, so I, with my degree and all of that, I started working for one of the largest banking groups in the UK as a banking contractor. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, things will look better. My dad probably might be a little bit more appreciative of my life and all of that. So I just naturally started working really hard. I've always had that, you know, strong work ethic anyway. So I was working 60 to 70 hours a week. I was the first person in the office, last person to go home. And on top of that, I was making good money. I was, you know, it was paid, paid me more than a a trainee lawyer, more than a trainee teacher, all the options I looked at before. But you know what, there was some, it came to the point in my life that made me realize that I'm a mum and I was missing out on my little ones. I was missing out on their first steps. I was missing out on so many integral parts of their upbringing And for me, my job was an escape to the reality at home as well. So I kind of used my job to shield from all the abuse that I was going through. But at the same time, being a contractor, it meant that I worked on short term projects and it means that my contract could end at any time. So I was just basically working hard as normal, believe that it was that's the way things should be, you know, go to school, work hard, get an education you know, have a really good corporate role until someone I met just said to me, Avril, if you keep working all the, you know, God sent hours, you know, you know, you where will you be in five years time? And I never thought of that question. And then she also said to me, do you have a plan B? So no one has ever in my whole entire life asked me that question or if I had a plan B. And then she told me that I have something I want to share with you. And all I remembered her saying, this is the business of the future and you can help people. So in my mind, based on my, you know, my background, my identity in Christ, I've always wanted to help people. So for me, I was like, okay, I need to take a look at what she has to offer. Then she introduced me to a network marketing business and that completely changed the direction of my life and set me on a completely different path. You had your second child during that time. You were still in a very abusive situation and how were you able to cope? So I continued in this in this really dark place. It came a point where I asked God to just deliver me and I was like asking God for for something and at that time I remembered my um my I was looking for a rehab for my ex-husband and that's when um God made it happen that I sent him away to London it happened because I needed that break and I remember just calling this lady who told me about the opportunity and I said I just want to take a serious look at this opportunity and the January 2016 I remember it quite clearly I attended a leadership event And this was hosted by so many different heads of people in network marketing. There were people from all different calibers. There were student reporters. There were doctors. There were women standing on that stage amounts a few, I'd say a few hundreds. I was in an arena. They were standing in their own power. And they were speaking with so much conviction and so much passion. And at that point, that was my light bulb moment. It was an eye-opening moment. I was completely, um, I was in that place where I just had floods and floods of tears. And I just remembered that if there's one little hope inside of me, 
one little light in a dark place. That was my light. And I thought when I prayed and I asked God for a way, I just saw this straight away as that platform that was going to give me a little bit of light, a little bit of hope, a little bit of thing to let me remember who I am as a person. And I thought, you know what? If I can only have that self-confidence, if only I could just be that person again. And that gave me hope. And at that moment, I remembered my identity. And honestly, Curlis, I felt empowered to take control of my life. And so you left your marriage at that point? It didn't happen straight away. And I always say, do you know what? It's a journey. It's a journey in life. We, 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 we go through situations and we go through trials. And I believe when you see something and you know and you know and you have a conviction in your heart that your God has put you in a path for a reason, I still believed in my heart that I had to stay married. And although I believe that I had to be separated and come away from that toxic relationship, my belief system and my belief patterns was that I had to stay married because I was being told that divorce is wrong. So I stayed in that marriage for another, I'd say a good two to three years, although we were separated. What is the biggest life lesson you've learned from your experience overall? I always believe that everything in life, again, happens for a reason. There's no such thing as failure. I believe that you go for an experience, it's an event, and you have to learn from it, okay? So for me, I will always say to one of the things I w- would say, my biggest life experience is that to always align myself with people and individuals who share, you know, my core values. What advice would you give your younger self as you reflect on your life? Yeah, um, that's a good one as well. So my advice to my younger self, you know, just know that, you know what, God is working all things out for you, for your own good, for your benefit. Just know that everything will work out. God already has a plan. Have an open mind. I believe a lot of times, you know what, people have a closed mind to one thing. And I was always that person who would grasp opportunities. So I'd say, have an open mind. And I I will just say one thing, that having a closed mind is one of the most expensive qualities to possess ever. Just know that your current thinking can be expanded. There is always more to learn. And for me, I have learned never to give up. I have learned never, ever quit and to have absolute grit and perseverance in everything that we do. And what's next for you in terms of personal or business goals? I most certainly would like to see myself as a very successful entrepreneur in my business, in my company. Also to strive to become a healthier version and a happier version of who I am. And it's a growth process and I'm on that journey. Well, Avril, thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Curlis, and it's an absolute pleasure. So massive thank you again for your time. To our audience, thanks for listening. To receive new episodes of this series directly in your inbox, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting our website at www.unstoppableyesu. Don't forget to join the Unstoppable Yes You community on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.